Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 394 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? You almost caught me off guard there. I almost said something untoward as we were beginning to record here. But I'm doing good, Todd. I'm uh, good. getting ready to uh, go get some additional oral surgery done uh, oh. to fix my gimpy tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more about that on After Dark. That's more of an After Dark discussion. That's of, right. Of uh, what I've been putting my body through over these last several days <laughs> and what I'll be putting my body through over the next several days beyond this. Oh, the temple that is Joe's body. That's right. As long as my eyes work, Todd, that's really all that matters. That's right. You're defiling that temple. Right. Oof. Mm. I always say, I joke around. Um, yeah, there's a there's an ongoing joke, uh, both here on the show and amongst, uh, you know, people in my private life, that my son is not my son. Uh, mm-hmm. That he might be the, uh, he might have different parentage, right? Deathstroke might be his father. Right. Ugh. <laughs> no, because this at least makes a little bit more sense. Right. Um, but, you know, this could be easily disproven. Uh, when you look at pictures of me when I was Ace's age, outside of the blonde hair, you know, we look more or less the same. Mm-hmm. You know, from those same ages, from like two to three to four to five to him now being six. And uh, people always happen. Or people always wonder, I'll even say myself, Ace is what I used to look like before I was doused with radiation. <laughs> or someone threw me in a vat of toxic waste, not unlike that of Melvin Junko, who later became the Toxic Avenger. I just became a monster of a different <laughs> sort. Oh, uh, Don't sell yourself short. Right. So, Todd, what monstrous news do we have to discuss for this week's episode? Joe, did you know there was a season two of Outcast? Oh. <laughs> uh, or was there? Or was anyway. there? Or did we imagine it, Todd? That's right. Um, four cons go toe to toe, or as I would call it, they are competing. Oh. <laughs> the 99 cent sale saga continues. And also a Kickstarter that's near and dear to Joe's heart, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also con news, uh, free digital books and sales, what we read last week, which was Thanos 18, Domino number one, and Gideon Falls number two. Correct. What, yes. What we're looking forward to this week, um, my one of my art attacks, and also uh, spoiler-filled talk of Krypton and The Flash at the end of the show. Right. Flash is back. Back again, well, well, and again, we always save the TV talk for the very end, so. Right, don't be jumping the gun, Joe. No, no, I'm not going to jump the gun. Uh, so, <laughs> with the news, Todd, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, with the podcast and the way this works, you know, we're almost at 400 episodes of this show, and there are people that have listened to every episode. May someone have mercy on you. <laughs> but a lot of times this could be someone's first episode of the show, and there's a lot of times we'll have uh, inside jokes or things that we kind of constantly reference um, that are outside of The Simpsons or other things. 
Right. That sometimes need a little bit of explaining, I think. If this is someone's first episode, uh, you know, they may not understand the joke about this, right? Mm-hmm. Or joke about other things when we'll say it's like, oh, this event book is being delayed because they decided to write a new ending for it that's better <laughs> and add an extra issue. Right. You know, these are this is just a tip of the iceberg of the in-joke. So, uh, at the end of the show, Todd and I do TV talk. And one of the shows that we watched was Outcast, which was based on a Robert Kirkman book uh, over at Image. And it was, you know, a horror sort of thing, and it was a really good show. And then, was it, like, over the summer, maybe? Maybe toward the end of the summer... I just kind of wondered aloud on the show, I wonder when season two of Outcast is going to go on. Mm-hmm. So I pull up my, you know, my Chrome browser, and I go to my trusty DuckDuckGo, and Todd, lo and behold, IMDb and Wikipedia both tell me that season two of Outcast had come and gone this past, like, the prior February. Right. And I'm pulling my hair out trying to figure out how this happened. Me too. I was, I was like beside myself. I was like, I missed it. Image didn't have any ads on any of their comics. So, and we would constantly joke about this. Like whenever we would miss something, we would always <laughs> say, Oh, did you know there was a second season of Outcast? Mm-hmm. Well, it comes across the wire this past weekend that Cinemax is deciding to air season two of Outcast this July. And I, both Todd and I were perplexed. We were apoplectic, if you will. Right. So it turns out, season two of Outcast aired in another country on another network already. Right, in the UK on Fox, I think. Whatever that is. Right. Both the UK and Fox. I don't know what either one of those things are. Mm Mm-hmm. So, while we did miss season two... We also didn't miss season two? That's right. We are the Sh- the Schrodinger cat of Outcast. <laughs> so, I guess, are we going to watch it when it comes on this season? Or, sure. And or, or maybe I, we could do it already. I don't know. That's right. We could watch all the great characters like uh, Brent Spiner on that show. He's he's in there. Um, oh, he but, was the bumpkin guy from uh, Night Court. That's the only thing yeah. I know him from. Yeah, Bob Wheeler. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I want to watch because I really dug like season one. And you know me, I'm not a horror guy, but right. this was more to me like it was horror, but more of a suspense than like, hey, stabby, stabby, guts, guts. Um, but I enjoyed it and I want to watch it. But I'm, I, I'm like you. I, I was completely blown away by the fact that I thought season two came out, but then Cinemax literally has like what a year and a half between season one and season two. Here, even though they had the show in the can, so I I don't know, but I I want to watch Outcast season right. two. I, I'm I'm glad that it's going to be able to be viewed in the United States. Right is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Kirkman needs that that American check from Outcast. Now I I, I don't want to steer uh, anyone to. Uh, you know, alternate methods of watching things. But as I understand, you could probably find season two already, like, on YouTube. Right. And other methods of, you know, watching things, since it aired in other, in multiple other countries a year ago. 
<laughs> but we are going to do our best to watch it like day and date as it comes out over the summer. Oh, that's all wibbly wobbly timey wimey right there. <laughs> oh, so we don't usually do like TV and movie talk, but this is you know we had to do this one because this was like our little joke on the show. That's right. Uh, sometimes your in jokes, you know, are hysterical. Right. So another thing from a couple episodes ago, we had discussed about possibly bringing the show on the road and not by like actually doing a show, but uh, going to C two E two next year. And I've put the wheels in motion. Right. Now. Todd put the wheels in motion. I went and I checked to see if it was the same weekend as WrestleMania. It was not. And then Todd got into a whole thing of like, well, you know, these buildings, they just got no choice. They get whatever date they get, and they're stuck with it. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems to be the case, because on that same weekend as C2E2, it is one of four conventions happening at the same time. Uh, And it's not like, and again, not as a a diss to them, but not like just the usual, like, "Eh, it's a bunch of retailers selling a bunch of books. Like, it's four big conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, WonderCon, and Planet Comic Con is in Kansas City, which is, you know, that's the competing one with C2E2, but, like, there's two conventions, two big ones happening in California the same weekend as C2E2. The territories are, are getting ugly, Joe. I'm telling you, Todd. I, I was, you know, I mentioned it before the last time this sort of thing came up, but I always listen back to... Uh, an audio, uh, an audio history, if you will, of the year 1984 in the world of professional wrestling. How all the different promotions were doing this sort of stuff, you know, to compete with each other is like, oh, Vince is coming to town, so we'll just run a free show the same day that he's running his show, mm-hmm. you know, and try to undercut him. Sure, we had 12,000 people that paid zero dollars to come see our show, but they didn't go see Vince's show. Seems like solid business. Listen, the 80s were a different time, man. Maybe they were getting paid in something different than money. Mmm. Packages filled with stuff through the mail. (laughs) Right. Maybe they were getting, like, stickers or (laughs) pins or I don't know Mm. what else they could be getting in the mail. So are we gonna, are we gonna take a stand and have one of the official, one of those shows be an official, like, Longbox Hero show? And I think I know which one it'll be. Well, here's what I'm thinking, Todd. Right. We've got, a little bit less than a year, but it's close to a year. Mm-hmm. We contact all four conventions and get them to bid on us of who they want, which of these conventions want us to come to them. I hope it's Kansas City. They got barbecue. <laughs> I don't know. Chicago's got deep dish pizza. And the Talking Dead commentator. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I do want some deep dish pizza. Can't they run but... him out of town by now? Uh, but in all honesty, I was already talking with the artist that we know and and somebody else, and I'm like... Shinsuke Nakamura? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, a different The Artist. Yes, um, the artist who's known for tubes up the nose. But uh, oh my <laughs> I'll tell you that story sometime. Um, Write that down, tubes <laughs> up the nose. <laughs> yeah, and big maces for hands. But... Uh, so I've already talked to him and maybe uh, Josh, and I'm like, everybody wants to go. So if we, like I said, we pull, we pull our weight, it'll, it'll be real easy. So I'm already putting these wheels in motion. Now I'll be honest with you, I, 
will won't go. be able gotcha. to put the wheels in mo- in motion for me until November. Right. Because that's when I could put time off for work for the following year. Right. That's fine. That's fine. So it can certainly happen. It's got to remind me like Halloween. Right. To say, hey, dumb dumb, don't forget those uh four days. Yeah, don't forget those four days. Right. This is gonna happen. All right. That's all I'm saying. I believe you. Uh so uh moving along, one of the other things that came up uh on the show over the last couple of weeks actually was the ongoing issue with Comixology uh, having their sale. You know, about a month or so ago, they had that huge 99-cent sale, where it's all these different Marvel trades, uh, hardcovers, collections, collecting everything from four issues to 20-some-plus issues of great storylines, from Vision to Walt Simonson, Thor, to all things in between. And they were on sale for 99 cents, and it said, for a limited time only. Well... That limited time kept getting longer and longer and longer. And then Marvel came out and said, they're like, yeah, we don't make that decision. Uh, that's comicsology. If they want to sell these books at a loss, that's up to them. And Todd and I got into a discussion about how this could possibly affect the future of digital sales and the retailers and everything else like that. Because for two weeks in a row, whatever trades and hardcovers Marvel put out for that week were all on sale for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. Now, the first week that it happened, they didn't catch it. The second week, they caught it. <laughs> so those books, and it was like new releases, like books that you could have gone to your store and picked up for anywhere from $11 to $20, depending on what the collection was, or you could have went to Comicology and got them for 99 cents each. And... That was a Wednesday, and that following day, those were gone. You could still go to the Comixology landing page that says Marvel Collections, 99 cents each, but those books ain't 99 cents each. Aww. So, obviously this was Marvel's decision. I think this, in the end, it is their decision, but like you said, so... It, it was just, to me, so weird, and I don't want to say dishonest. But so weird for them to come out and say, like, we have nothing to do with this decision, where obviously they do, because they were able to stop it from happening. Or were they? Or were they? Maybe Comixology stopped it, and Marvel was like, like, and they're like, hey, look, Marvel put the the the, the, the boot to us and made us stop. It's all imaging. I honestly don't know. I, it's crazy. 99 cent stuff like the the day and, you know, lose it, hurting retailers. I, I don't even know. And I find it funny, too, just like a side story to this is that Jim Starlin was posting on his Facebook today as mm-hmm. we record this that he was like, hey, this is what the hardcover of Infinity uh, Relativity looks like. Um, I never got to see it because I never got sent my copy, even though they were, they were you know, selling 99-cent copies on Comixology. So they didn't even send Jim a comp copy. Oh, my goodness. He bought it on Amazon. I wish he used our click-through for that. I wish he did, too. Mm-hmm. So Marvel's doing some weird stuff right now. So speaking of weird stuff, Todd, 
This is something also that we've brought up on the show the last several weeks as it become available, but now it's live, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite wrestling personalities <laughs> of all time, Jim Cornette, known on the show as Jim Clarinet, right. is doing a comic book in, a, in association with IDW. And one of IDW's things is to get a book like this, and they do this a lot of times with like their board games and some of their licensed properties, is they'll do a Kickstarter on it, right? Right. And obviously they're going to offer a bunch of uh, pledges and stuff like that, and it's going to be Jim telling some stories from the the glory days of the world of professional wrestling, the aforementioned 80s. But again, it's comic books. Jim Cornette himself is a big comic book guy. Whenever he's at a convention, uh, not only is he selling... Uh, his books and his DVDs and his burger towels. He's got an extensive, <laughs> extensive collection of Marvel Silver Age books that he also sells as well. Uh, is, and I just, that, is that true? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I thought you were joking. No, no. He's a big comic book guy. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, part of the reason why they probably reached out to him. Um, so some of the perks that were available. Now, Todd, this... Uh, this Kickstarter has been active for 24 hours as we're recording this, right? Okay. And some of the big money perks have already been taken up. Okay. There was $250 and $500 to be drawn into the book. Ooh. Okay. $250, like you'd be a background person. $500, you'd be a featured person in a book. And it lists here... Uh, spotlighted fan, newscaster, doctor, bartender, uh, hitchhiker, or other minor role. I would love to be doctor, bartender. Now wait. Okay. Plus, you, like, of course you receive the book, the signed copy, the lithograph, um, and you get the page that you were, you know, the page that you were drawn and you get that page. P-A-I-G-E? No, no, <laughs> the no. Page? Okay. Now... For a thousand dollars, Todd, mm-hmm. there's only one left. You you get to be one of these people <laughs> from the stories that are going to be told. Okay, you are the pilot of the plane <laughs> that crashed with Ric Flair in it. Wow! <laughs> you are the attorney. Uh for, uh, I would have guessed Sputnik Monroe because it says the wrestler who attempted to desegregate sporting events in the South. Okay. You can be the fan who the Sheik, not the Iron Sheik, but the original Sheik, accosted backstage in an event. Ah, oh, the fake Sheik, got it. Right, so those are the three that you get to choose from. And Jim you has said- really been pushing, like, somebody gets drawn in as the pilot of the guy who crashed the plane with Ric Flair in it. You only said two. Well, there's three. There was the the pilot, the attorney, and the fan. Oh, okay. But I'm two sorry. Two of the three you. have already been purchased. Oh. So I don't know which one is left. Right. Uh, but there's a variety of. So it, they were looking for twenty five thousand dollars. They're already at twenty two thousand dollars a day in, and you know it's like ten bucks, twenty five bucks, so on and so forth. There is one in particular that I'm looking at for the show, but we'll talk about that one later. I think I know what it is. I looked over this Kickstarter. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, Kickstarter. Slip of the tongue. Um, uh, I did see what I think you're talking about. All right. Uh, so uh, check it out. I'm going to include it in the show notes because I like Jim Cornette. I like comic <laughs> books. I like the stories Jim Cornette tells. 
I'm getting this uh, book regardless. It's just uh, how big of a book I guess it becomes. I haven't noticed. I didn't notice that they have any stretch goals. You know, there's like stretch goals with a book. Well, you know what'll happen? They'll probably hit their mark in a day, like you said. Oh and no! That's the- oh, hang on. The stretch. The stretch goals. Uh, eight more pages. Everybody gets an extra. Uh, uh, which one called? Everybody gets a lithograph, so on and so forth. Right. right. Good. I'm glad. And uh, Brandon Easton and Dennis Medry is the actual team who are going to be uh, working on the book, actually doing the the writing, quote unquote, like taking Jim's stories and making them come to life on the page. They don't sound like real people. They sound like anagrams. No, like, like Del Rusk is Red Skull kind no. of thing. Uh, Dennis Medry did the more recent uh, Under the Giant one, and uh, Brandon Easton has done uh, Thundercat stuff and kidding, other things of that nature. I was making a funny, a really good funny. All right. So, uh, go go get that book. Everybody loves Jim Cornette. Yes, everybody. Especially Todd. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's conventions this weekend, Todd. Speaking of really? conventions a year from now, uh, there's conventions this weekend. Uh, there's conventions in Tupelo, Mississippi, Daytona Beach, uh, there's the Marble City Con in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I bring that one up, because Akeem, the African Dream, aka the One Man Gang, is going to be there. Okay. Uh, the, now, did you, I don't know how much you looked at these show notes, I was surprised that you looked at the news, I'll be honest with you. What? I looked at what? The news in the show notes. I kind of glance at it when I have to read the news. So there's a convention here, Todd, that's called the Plastic City Comic Con. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want you to tell me what city that is. What state is that in? Um, probably New Jersey. No, Massachusetts. The the plastic capital of the world. Fitchburg, Massachusetts apparently is Plastic City. Mm-hmm. And uh, that convention is going to have J.M. DeMatteis. Nice. And Corin Nemec. Who? Uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Oh, my God. Let's go. We had an up. He had appeared on a couple cons last year. And mm-hmm. we had discussed if this was going to be his resurgence of hitting conventions a la a John Cusack. Sadly, it was not. I can only imagine that Mr. Nemec is local to the area, and that's why he's doing this convention. Probably working out at the plastic factory. <laughs> Probably at the plastic factory. He's a, he's a big wheel over at the plastic factory. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Wales Comic Con in Wrexham, UK, uh, mm. their guest of honor is Val Kilmer. He was the Batman. Mm-hmm. Now, another one, Todd. Cherry City Comic Con. I'm going to have you... What state is that in? I don't think it's in a state. I think it's in Washington, D.C. No, that's Salem, Oregon, Todd. Oh. Jim Shooter is the guest of honor there. Mm-hmm. But the two biggies this weekend, uh, there's the Supernova Pop Culture Expo in Melbourne, Australia. All right. Uh, Art Adams, Mike Grell are the uh, comic book types that are going to be there. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, one of my personal favorites, is going to be there. Uh, 
some Capilati guy. What's his Ca- Pete Capilati? Yeah, the guy who invented those little meat-filled tortellinis. Right. Oh, like my cat. Yeah. And Todd, who's Pearl Mackey? Pearl Mackey was uh, a sci- was one of the companions for the Doctor. One of the companions. Yeah. Uh, there's like three of those. Yeah. Uh, but the biggie this weekend is actually a convention that we talked about about a month ago or so on the convention, on the convention, on the show, the Lake Como Comic Art Festival in beautiful, scenic Cernobio, Italy. N- nailed it! And this is the big one, Todd. This is the Jim Lee. But listen to this murderer's row of artists that are going to be there. Oh, I'm out. Oh, I'm nervous. Go ahead. Neil Adams. Great. Greg Capullo. Mm. Frank Cho. Okay. Uh, Al- Oliver Copiel. So far, I want something from all of these guys. But go Gary ahead. Gary Frank. Oh wow. Dave Gibbons. Adam <laughs> Hughes. Liam Sharp. Eduardo Riso. That is a pretty good get for Itali. Right, and this is the one where Jim Lee, I guess for the first time in a long time, is doing commissions, Commission. sketches? Yes, he commissions, because he'll, he'll do sketches occasionally. He'll draw what like, he wants to draw for your money? Yes, like, um, but com- like commissions where you can definitely get a kind of detailed piece with, of whatever you want. That doesn't happen often. And he's, you know, he's, he's making some scratch from what I hear. So, two cannolis. <laughs> so, uh, well, hopefully he's uh, claiming that stuff with the tax man is all I have to say. Mm, it's all cash under the table. So if any of our listeners are going to be at that uh, convention in Italy, you know, let us know and uh, we'll spot you. You pick up a sketch from Jim Lee and send it to us and we're, we're good for it. We'll get you on the flip side. That is true. Right. You know, we'll PayPal you. <laughs> Eventually. I know yep. a PayPal scheme. <laughs> Boy. So, uh, all the links to those conventions, the aforementioned Jim Cornette Kickstarter will be in the show notes, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, where if any of the shows in our little fancy network have a new episode come out, the first place you're going to see it is over at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Not as fast as it appears on their actual sites, but almost as fast as it would appear in your RSS feed or iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your pod catcher of choice is. And that includes this show, of course, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, Everlasting Minute, Puzzle Warriors 3, which I think is going up a week or a day early this week, uh, mm. Profane Arguments, Fresher and Parlance, uh, Aim Downsides Podcast, and... There was an episode of Prodigal Sons that was recorded two weeks ago, Todd, that has still not seen the light of day. And I had to twist some arms to get myself a copy of it. Wow. And you know you know a guy who knows a guy? I know a guy who knows a guy. And, Todd, if you want their hot takes on Easter... Oh, boy. When this episode comes out, you're going to get them. Oh, I can't wait. So all of that and more over at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if we could, let's get into some of those digital sales and freebies that are going on, because we do have some new freebies to discuss. Uh, sadly, the Marvel sale, 99 cents on collections, as mentioned in the news, that's gone. <laughs> like the dodo, out of here, <laughs> see you later. 
hit the bricks. Um, there's a bunch of other sales as mentioned. Dynamite is having a sale on their collections. IDW is having a sale on all of their Ninja Turtle stuff. ID, uh, Oni is having a sale on Sixth Gun stuff, which is a very great underrated series by Colin Bunn. Uh, Boom is having a buy one, get one free sale. And Dark Horse is having an Earth Day sale. And what that entails, I don't know. Now, I do want to mention last week, we had talked about DC having a sale on Action Comics stuff, right? Since right. Action Comics 1000 comes out this week. It does? Yes. They're also having a sale on Superman stuff. So I guess this is filling in the gaps of whatever the Action Comics thing isn't picking up. Okay. Even though there are issues of Action Comics in this separate Superman 80th anniversary sale. So if you want to get like full runs of full stories of that the mid to late 90s stuff where the diamond logos were on the cover, you're going to have a lot of mixing and matching to do throughout the course of this. Oh, goody. Uh, right, but this will all be in the show notes, of course, as mentioned. Uh, some of the new freebies uh, available to you this week would be New Avengers number one, the first issue of the Brian Michael Bendis penned Avengers book. Remember when Brian Michael Bendis used to do books over at Marvel? Yeah, I do. Yes. Uh, he the, still does. <laughs> Iron Man isn't done yet. That's right. That's got one more issue left. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultimates number one. Uh, the the book I would uh, many would say is responsible for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hmm. Maybe. And what book? Uh, Ultimates number one. Ah. Uh... Uh, it kinda a lot of the look and the feel and that sort of stuff. I would, I yes, I could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic Four number five seventy, which was the first issue written by John Hickman, and Spidey number one, just a uh, Spidey, uh, written by Robbie Thompson with really awesome art by Nick Bradshaw. They were kind of one and done, all ages sort of books that only ran for about a year or so, but it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, a lot of really cool covers uh, on it, a lot of cool interior art. But again, if you were just looking at the time for a fun, uh, no-strings-attached sort of Spider-Man book, pun intended, uh, that was the book for you. And the first issue of it is for free. Go check it out. I like Spider-Man. He's the best. Brian Michael Bendis has two Iron Man issues left. Oh, my goodness. I would assume that those were probably already in the can. Yeah, that was when – I remember they said they really got pushed back when he got his uh, – Whatever sickness it was. When he had the poison eye. Yes. The stink eye. <laughs> all right. So all the links to this will also be in the show notes as well. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Okay. Would Would you like me to start because you've babbled on and on? <laughs> That's the way we typically do things according to the script that I have here. Oh, goody. He's got to stick to the script. Well, I'm going to start with Thanos 18, uh, the conclusion to the Thanos win storyline by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Uh, basically, Thanos, uh, old, retired Thanos has brought uh, modern day Thanos into the future to help him, you know, end the, pe- all the people that are left in the universe. He, he has a plan for him. They, so they fought like, uh, Silver Surfer, the, uh, and his gr- people that he was that were helping him, and the Hulk was there, and Cosmic uh, Ghost Rider, and all these people. 
but in the end, it really came down to what Thanos's uh, future Thanos's big plan was. Was if you're going to end everything, there's only one last person to end, and that's me, Thanos. And the only person who kills Thanos is Thanos. And that, to me, is probably the most Thanosy thing you can do in this book. That is ego. That is cocky. Um, and also, death is there, uh, which I like that Kate seems to have a different version, like a different take on death. I don't know if it's because it's all the way so far at the end of the universe, but like Jim Starlin always kind of had her as a hovering, like just person there that, that looms over everything. Jason Aaron kind of made it. So was Thanos insane and, or was he actually seeing death? But now Donnie Kate's version is like this cute mime, almost like the vertigo version of death. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, very playful in a way. And I kind of liked it, but it was very difficult, like very jarring compared to the, the death that I know. But the thing that I like about this is modern day Thanos is like, I'm not going to give you what you want because that's not the way I roll. But what I am going to do is give you what you, I, I'm still going to win, but I'm going to do it my way. And his plan is very cool. And this might be, the perfect ending to this run of Thanos that I could ask for. Donny Cates is up there as a writer of Thanos for me with Jim Starlin now on this short run that he has done. He is number two man. J- Thanos gets, or uh, Starlin gets the nod just because he did so much and so iconic stuff and created him. But Donny Cates with this one captured everything I love about Thanos and he, he just crushed the landing for me on this storyline. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with you on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a great story. Everything about it was great. The story itself, the art was great, as you mentioned, how death in this book um, was more akin to that of the Vertigo version of death, and mm-hmm. I don't think that was accidental, and I do love... I wanted to like screen cap and tweet out every single one of the faces that death was pulling in that issue, because mm-hmm. every single one was better than the last. Right. Um, the fight between the two Thanoses was great. It had an epic feel to it. Uh, the ending was, as you mentioned, an only a way that Thanos could end things, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so this, this run seems to have been always set up to just be these six issues, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this run kind of benefited from not being, like, its own separate miniseries. Because it wasn't, like, solicited, like, okay, after these six issues, the story is done. Right. Whether, I don't know what the sales were on this, but I think if this was its own separate thing, I don't think people would be talking about it as much as they were before. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I got what you're saying. I And I also just captured people. Like, because Donnie Cates is a great writer. That helps. Right. And now, and I want to say that I'm glad that you also said that this is the end of the uh, Thanos win storyline because there is still one more issue left, the annual that comes out next week, which does have stories by Donny Cates and I guess just to kind of wrap stuff up. And I'm sure a lot of it will be, a lot of it will be touched on in the Cosmic Ghost Rider book that comes out in July. All right. That that's what I thought, but I just think like if this ended here and now. It, it, you know, it reverts Thanos back to our time and kind of gives a quick explanation of like 
you know, that he made it, you know, like there's, there's proof that he made it in this issue. So like, it's just like, I don't need to see that, but we'll, we'll get some of that in there. And I am 100% serious. What I tweeted out uh, the other day, Joe, I want a page out of this so bad. It hurts. I, I have opened the book to that page now where the, the old Thanos and the modern day Thanos are looking at each other and old Thanos, you know, he, young Thanos is telling him, I know why I'm here. No one kills Thanos, but Thanos. And there's the picture of death doing the, the, the charades on the nose. And I'm like, Oh my God. Then they're looking at each other. He's like, you're not going to make this easy. And he's like, would you young, you young whippersnapper, would you do that? And I'm like, I got goosebumps right now. I want that page and I'm hunting this page down and you know, so send me money, Joe, so I can buy it. Have you reached out to the artist on this, Todd? No, because, because I know that you could do in the age of the internet. Let me finish, Joe. Who's the art guy on this show? Oh, on this show. Yes, uh, I guess that's show. you. No, that's me. He sells his stuff through a web, through a, uh, a, uh, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, a rep. And they have a, a store. And it's not, hey, I'm not giving favors. I'm not doing this. On this day, I'm going to put up these pages. Be ready. If you want them, go get them in the store. So there's not really a... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can contact him. He's going to go, no. They go up on this day. At least that's what I saw with the last couple. So uh, that's why I, I have to keep my eye out for, if like, if he mentions that they're going up on sale. And I'm going to, like, figure out what page it is so I so I know and see, like, if I can get it fast. Are you following this man on Twitter? Do you have a... Yes, I have this all. I'm watching. All right. I'm I just watching. want to make sure. I have the I have the page bookmarked in my phone cuz I'm looking at this here and I don't see you as one of the followers I know of him. Um I'm pretty sure I'm following. Mhm. Mm-hmm. might want to check that out there, brother. I'm pretty sure I'm I don't a want follower. you to get scooped by someone else who would maybe just buy that just to sneak it out from underneath you to be a jag. I know and I know a guy like that. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of guys like that. Uh so So, while Todd tries to figure out if he's following the right Jeffrey Shaw on Twitter. uh, I am following the right Jeffrey Shaw on Twitter as of right now. All right, as of right now. Uh, One of the other books that, uh, did you read Domino number one? Yes. Yeah, I got Domino. That's Gail Simone. I'll give that, I'll give her anything she does a try. All right. With art by uh, David Baldion. So, I will say this. I have less than no attachment to the character of Domino coming into this book. Uh, This could have been a brand new character. This could have been whatever it is. The only reason I picked this book up is because it was written by Gail Simone. So I was coming into this with very low expectations on the character, not on the creative team, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do feel as though Gail does a very good job of giving you the information that you need to know about Domino. Uh, as most X character types do, they have rich backstories, let's say. Mm-hmm. Replace rich with convoluted sometimes, and maybe you're a little bit closer to whatever. Um, I think she, just by being with Cable as she has been, she may have inherited some of his convoluted origins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the crux of this story is, uh, starts off Domino was on an, on an adventure with 
one of the other girls from the Agent X story, which is one of the last things that Gail wrote over at Marvel. Uh, she, along with Diamondback, decided to throw Domino a surprise birthday party. All of these people from her history and her past and so on and so forth are there. And at the end of the party, she starts to realize that maybe her powers are working against her. Whereas mm-hmm. earlier in the issue, she kind of tells the story of how her luck powers typically work for her, but a little bit less. Like, they'll save her from getting hit by a truck, but she'll break her ankle. That sort of thing. Right, they're... They're kind of uh, finicky. They'll they like messing with her just a little bit, even right. though they save her. But now, instead of messing with her, it seems as though they may be completely betraying her. Mm-hmm. I liked this. Um, I think I would have liked it a lot more if I was more of an X person, Domino person, whatever. But on on a whole, as a self contained story, I enjoyed what I read, and I want to see what happens next. And that's the most important thing that you can get with a number one comic book. As I probably did Thanos and you said you agree with me, I agree with you uh, with Domino 100%, though I was slightly more uh, overwhelmed by the characters at the party because I felt like I X books, you need a PhD in their history to read sometimes. And like you said, Gail Simone did a fantastic job on Domino. But even with like... Uh, with the, the sidekicks that she has in her group, like Diamondback, who isn't an X-Men, but the crazy, uh, I forget who the, what her character name is, uh, but that one, I'm like, okay, that's from another Gail Simone book, I think, or Deadpool or something like that. But then the X characters at the party, and I'm like, I know they're all going away, probably, for the most part, but I feel like that as they're explaining, like, oh, she dated all these guys, that the, the inherent problem with X-Men comes in, but that's on me, and she totally like crushed it with the main character. So now that I think all that is out of the way, and they've they've established she's in the X verse, that we can just walk away from that and bring it back in as we need it. And I'm with you; it it got me everything I needed to make me want issue number two. And I'm gonna try to shake off that X Men you know thing that I don't like and and keep going on this book. Right. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, you have to have your cables in there, your Deadpools in there, your Warpaths in there, all those mm-hmm. people that she had these close relationships to in X-Force and other assorted books. But you got them. You saw them. Let's move on. I think I, I, I hope is what the the game plan is going to be from here on out. Right. And you had an appearance by Dazzler. What more do you need? Oh, boy. I know there's one listener of the show who cares about Dazzler. Mm, and Cinnabons. <laughs> so the last book uh, that we're going to discuss that we both read is Gideon Falls Number no. 2 uh, by Jeff Lemire, uh, previous guest of the show, and Andrea Sorrentino. Now, I bring this up only because uh, with Jeff being on the show, we were nice. he was nice enough to get us uh, advanced review copies of this book, so we were able to read it well in advance before the book came out. So the problem with that is, when issue two comes out, I gotta kind of re-familiarize myself with the issue, the first issue, because it's been so long. Right. Turns out, I didn't need that much more re-familiarization, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they give you a little bit of a recap up front, you get thrown right in, all the character ticks, 
uh, on both sides, whether it be Norton, which I guess is in, like, the alternate reality sort of thing. See, I'm not sure how all that works, to tell you the truth. Yet. Right, so. and that's the thing. We still don't know how it all works, but, you know, it's all connected by that barn uh, that the Reverend saw. And we're starting to see what the, I guess what the connection is. Obviously, everything's about the barn, okay? Uh, the barn that he saw, the barn that, um, th- that, uh, Norton thinks that he sees, that he's collecting all the bits and pieces and the junk and everything else from, um, we're starting to see, we have no real clues, but we're, st- we have no answers, but we're getting more clues as to how it's all connected, I guess, if that makes any sense. Right, right. And uh, my thing is, I'm not sure if it's another dimension, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're, or if they're just in two different places and the barn is kind of like calling to them. Like, I, I, there's something about the the way that the the Norton scenes feel like it's almost like it's maybe like not post apocalyptic, but it's definitely it feels like a different time. Like maybe it's even the future or something. Just the way that they draw the buildings, just the, like, I don't know. I I can't put my finger on it. I can't explain it, but there's just something, if I was to put money on it, I would say that the Norton stuff is happening not in the same timeline as the Reverend stuff. Fair enough. See, I take it as it's just drawing a city different than the country. You know what I mean? To establish, like, two di- not two different looks, but, like, because you don't want to confuse a reader. Do you know what I mean? Like, when they do, like, kind of do that kind of stuff. It, it's, he, so you definitely know you're in the city. You know you're in the country, and it makes it, the storylines feel separate in a storytelling device. That's the only, that's kind of the way I, I look at it. Right, but I, th- I think it's a definitive reason. And I get what you're saying, that it needs to look different than the country, right? Mm-hmm. I just feel as though it's not an accident that it's drawn so different. Okay. Um, and again, of course, then we get the information where uh, the Reverend calls back to the church that he was previously at. Because mm-hmm. now he's being pinned with the murders that are going on, right? Right. Um, but while he's under police questioning, another murder happens, so... Obviously, they know it wasn't him, but he's still under suspicion. Right. Plus, it's the guy he said he saw that they, everybody thought was dead. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Right. And then he calls back to his diocese, speaks to the bishop. And again, another definitive concerted effort. They're not showing us what the bishop looks like. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that's going to somehow tie into what we're seeing over on Norton's side of things. Right. My thing is there's just one small thing that jumped out at me. Okay. Is that, um, and it's completely weird, is when Norton goes to see Dr. An- Angie Zhu, that's the way I'm going to say her name. I don't know. X-U. Mm-hmm. Um, Lysis, uh, she's a, his psychiatrist. There's a moment when he walks in, she's like, I have a, I have a, a client, I can't see you. And he's right, like, I'm with but a I patient need, right now, yeah. I need it. And she goes... Okay, I'm going to do this. Sydney, I'm very sorry. I have to reschedule. And he's like, yeah, okay. And he's like, thank you, Sydney. I'm very sorry about this. She says Sydney twice, and you never see his face. I have a weird feeling Sydney's going to, like, 
be a big part of this. I'm going to tie into things. Right. It's Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's the, the spy because somebody breaks into Norton's apartment. And I think, like, maybe he might be the guy who's watching him or who broke in or anything like that. So there's just I, – I just – I just want, I hope that I'm right down the line that uh, Sydney is an important character. <laughs> but again, I love the I, book. I, I have confidence in Jeff Lemire. I feel as though everything that's happening in this book is very deliberate. I do too. Nothing is in there just because everything is in there because it's all going to pay off eventually. Right. And. I think Sorrentino is like the perfect artist for this 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 story especially. The feel of it is absolutely amazing. It fits the the, the like the creepy weirdness of it. Right. And I noticed the coloring was a little bit different on this issue. Like a little uh looser, I guess, a little bit more open if that makes sense. It, it I don't know because I'd have to go back and look at issue 1. I remembered issue 1 a lot of it, so mm-hmm. I didn't go and reread that. Well, I, I mean, both like in general, both from issue one to issue two. That's what I mean. So I don't know the difference, but more so from also from his normal art, like the way that his art is normally colored. Yes. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yes. Right. A little it's lighter. More, a little bit more open. Right. More, um, less psychedelic at times. Hmm. Because he has that, like, he had some weird, like, color blendings and stuff on some of his other comics. That's the way I would put it, anyway. Right. So. So I know we had mentioned it before on, uh, when we had Jeff on as a guest, when we talked about the issue, and again, of course, here. But Gideon's, Gideon Falls is a really, really good book. I, I, mm-hmm. I recommend checking it out if you already haven't. I do, too. So, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, uh, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the trades, you can't wait on those fancy sales anymore from Marvel, <laughs> those are long gone. Uh, but be forewarned and be forearmed, uh, know what's coming out, uh, so that you have the correct amount of money to buy the books that you need. Now, what, the two things that Todd and I are doing with our books this year, one, of course, is we're attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I still have a one correct guess lead over Todd. We'll see if I can hold on to that lead or spread that gap. Uh, secondly, speaking of opening that gap further. We're <laughs> keeping a running dollar tally of the money that we have spent on comic books. I'm not going to say uh, less supplies, bags, bags, and boards, but I just did. <laughs> uh, Todd is well in the lead over me, and uh, as we have postulated on Twitter the other day, I have a feeling he will be even further in the lead as he has Omnibuy coming out here in the near future. Absolutes, Joe, not Omnibuy. Oh, not Omnibuy there. Uh, They're absolutes. different. Absolutes are different. Mm-hmm. They're more expensive. So, Todd, you went first. Mm-hmm. So you get to uh, take that first crack at I'm look- uh, what's coming out, what I'm, I'm looking, looking forward at- to, whatever. I'm looking at your books. And is the book you're looking forward to most Action 1000? 
Yes. Uh, the book I'm most looking forward to coming out is Action Comics Numero 1000. Uh, as I think that is also the book you are most looking forward to coming out uh, this week as well. Bring on the trunks, Joe. It is the book I'm looking forward to most. <laughs> Bring on the trunks. Oh, that's yep. right. Because, yes, because he's mm-hmm. wearing little pantaloons in the issue. That's right. That's correct. I forgot about that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a biggie. Uh, $7.99. $7.99. Now, there was discussion that we were possibly uh, <clears throat> going to attempt to do this uh, as part of the midnight release. Go mm-hmm. run down to the store, pick up the book, read it, probably while I was driving, and uh, review it here on the show. But it's a big book to be reading that quick a time, especially while driving it. a car. I could have handled it. Uh, listen, I can barely text and play Marvel Puzzle Quest while I'm driving to add a book on top of that. I can't sit still for. Jughead, you can't possibly eat all those cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, The laugh tipped me off that that's some sort of uh, family guy thing. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, Peter was driving the car reading Archie comics. And he's like, he's like, oh, you can't eat all those cheeseburgers. And the car hits like the the shoulder, and he pu- puts it down, and he's like, oh, okay. I, I pulls it back, and he's like, you are, you're gonna eat all those cheeseburgers. <laughs> and he and he does it again, but this time, it, before he could turn back, he smacks it into a tree. And that's what I always think of whenever you talk about reading comics while driving. Fantastic. All right, so no movement on the board. Uh, still a one correct guess lead here. Mm-hmm. And uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out everything that Todd and I have ever done on the internet because it all exists over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. Uh, I just saw some people tweeting specifically about After Dark episode number 43 where our good friend Tom Green was on the show and we discussed uh, Monster Truck, Monster Jam, and the Circus. Right. That's how I know Tom, is a Circus Tom. Circus Tom. <laughs> uh, Todd and Joe have issues, the Smash Sensation of 2017, past poll posts, everything we did and have done and will ever do on the internet will exist over at longboxheroes.com, uh, as is our store. And Todd, I'm not sure if you... And I'm talking about the Royal You, the listeners of the show, uh, saw the news on Friday, but the pins are here, Todd. The pins are here? The pins are here, and uh, I'm going to say this publicly to take it away from you, to steal your power, Todd. (laughs) Isn't that how they do it in these movements? I have to steal the power from you? You're gonna take, you're gonna take it back? Right, I'm going to take the, I'm gonna take my name out of your mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that how we do it? Uh, but... Uh, you know, we, we say in the, the show, I'm not a pin guy. I'm more of a stickers guy. When these pins showed up on Friday and I opened up the box that they came in, man, they are some nice looking pins. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. fancy. They got a heft to them. They have two points of, they have to, you have to pin them onto yourself, not just one in the middle. That's oh, how that, fancy they are. That's right. That's so they don't spin like a propeller. That's right. You don't want, you don't want to be wearing a fancy long box heroes uh, pin and it just be slightly akimbo. Oh, that would be terrible. Your friends would a laugh skew. at you, not just They'd for wearing like... pins, but for being slightly off center. Oh, your pin is askew. 
But the pins are here, ready for uh, immediate shipping, and you can get those through the store. And the deal is going to be good until the end of the month, that if you get the shirt and the pin together, that you get it at a lower rate. I think you end up saving like three bucks, and you end up saving on shipping as well. So a, wow. a deal at thrice the price. Mm-hmm. And uh, Todd is going to have those pins in his uh, grubby little mitts a little bit later on today. So he'll be uh, extolling the virtues of the pins live and in living color, if you will. That's right. And uh, I just wish you told me how good the pins were through gritted teeth. That's oh, I didn't I'm say saying. the gritted teeth part, right? I wanted to say uh, how gr- nice they were. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, so also, if you don't want a pin, you don't want a shirt, you don't want a sticker, uh, you could purchase anything else to your heart's content. Uh, through our Amazon, click through across the top of the page, cost you nothing extra. You've heard the Amazon spiel before, but ours is different and better because it gives us a couple cents back uh, for an advertising fee for everything that you purchase through the Amazon click through. Some of the notable, per- notable purchases this past week, Todd, mm-hmm. someone purchased an Atlantic Media Tower Elite Large. Now, I'm not going to thumb my nose at someone else, much like myself, who is still purchasing physical media. I'm just glad you purchased your display tower through us as well. Okay. Someone also purchased the Thanos Cosmic Powers Trade and uh, a braided USB lightning charge cord for something. It appears to be for an Apple product. Hmm. Have you seen those braided cables for your uh, charging things? No, I have not. I first saw them because somebody had pointed me out. You know, Stanley, the company that makes, uh, you know, like construction stuff, like measuring tapes and all sorts of things. Right. Stanley does like a retractable uh, charging thing with that braided cable, and they're supposed to last forever. And I go through chargers and cords like nobody's, nobody's business. That's right. You even tweet at the companies when they go bad. That's right. And uh, that's how I keep my phone consistently at 100% charge. I get down to 90 and I start sweating. Okay. Uh, Somebody also purchased uh, the Rottweiler Bible, uh, the complete guide to raising your Rottweiler. From the dead? Well, no, like, you know, like, uh, you know, training them to be a good uh, dog or something. Oh, when you said Bible and raising them, I thought you meant from the dead. It's the dog Necronomicon. Mm Mm-hmm. The Dogricon? Right. Benji. Lassie. (laughs) Rin Tin Tin. Okay. I said all three names. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody also purchased the Wisdom Panel 3.0 Breed Identification DNA Test Kit. Mm-hmm. I guess is, this is to see sort of what sort of genetic defects or, you know, how pure your dog is. I'm not hip to the, you know, buying whatever. You know, there's a market out there that you want your dog to be purebred. It's a show dog and that sort of thing. And obviously it could be sold the bill of goods. Now they have this. To test the DNA to make sure that you are getting the purest of pure dogs. I think it's for splicing DNA, but I I can only hope it's a Dr. Herbert West sort of situation going on with this. Uh, But either way, thank you everyone for purchasing anything through the Amazon click-throughs. And of course, uh, the folks who pre-ordered your shirts, uh, as you're listening to this, you'll either have your shirts shortly or they'll be arriving uh, within a day or two. And uh, you might want to listen to After Dark uh, this week as well uh, about those uh, shipments. Either way, 
Uh, Todd, do we have any art attacks this week? We have three art attacks. Three? That's right. It's a plethora of art attacks this week. Uh, Jason Sandberg sent in a work that he did himself of a female. I don't know if she's... I'm going to say it's Jessica Jones, but I don't know who it is. So, uh, But it's a work in progress that he did himself. Also, uh, super contributor Euronymous sent in his final Serenity Rose piece by Aaron Alexevich. And the, and he says the detail is just crazy. And it actually is. It's like an overhead shot of a city. Um, or I can't tell if it's not a uh, city so much as a, uh, a town with like trees, but it has like a clock, uh, this crazy like clock tower and it looks really good. I, I like it. Um, and finally, Thunderbolt 712, 712 sent in a piece of, by Gary Frank of Clark Kent, uh, turning into Superman, which is absolutely fantastic. And he says it's one of his most treasured pre- pieces. So if he wants to send that to me, that would be great. I was going to say, whoever that T bolts, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he should be good enough to uh, have that piece. He should give it to either me or you. That's right. You know what? We could share it. And, like, we could go every other day on alternate Sundays. All right. Fair enough. So, Todd, let's get into TV talk. Okay. Uh, TV talk. Let's start with Krypton first. That's right. Only because, you know, we'd kind of been starting with Krypton. Let's keep it at the uh, forefront of things, if you will. Right. So, more betrayal. More dishonesty and more swearing. Comic books can't swear. Right, but more importantly in this issue, is this issue, this episode, we get a little bit more information, I guess, a little bit more featured on the voice of Rao. Mm-hmm. Where... He decides that he needs, you know, it's time for him to show the people that he is going to bring Krypton, specifically Kandor, back to its glory. He goes down amongst the people, and they're all booing and yelling at him and so on and so forth. Because of the previous episode, where there was the uprising with the police force, he decides that a sacrifice needs to be made, someone needs to account for this, so they pin... Uh, the failure from the previous episode on uh, Lyda Zod, who attempted to stop everything from happening, and this is where all of your double-dealing and back-dealings and all that sort of stuff happens. Right. And uh, a lot more stuff with Rao, because Rom, the young lady uh, whose name I forgot last week, who was possessed by Brainiac, her little girl just wants a chance to see the mighty voice of Rao, and she gets her chance, and boy howdy, does she ever. Yep, she becomes one of the, the I'm going to say whatever their religion is, the nuns of Rao, because mm-hmm. that seemed like she wanted, and he's, he decided to bring her up with uh, with them, like, you know, to take a lowly rank list and make, you know, to give people hope, take her up, and she decided to give Rao her little... Uh, idol, I guess, which is of Rao that her mother always had, um, so that, you know, as an offering, as a sacrifice to Rao. And boy, was it a sacrifice. Oh, boy. You ain't kidding, pal. And, um, I did not see that coming. And that was probably the, the, the greatest part, because 
I did not see that basically in the idol was because they said that uh, Rom had the had the brainiac virus in her or whatever, and that it would take her over. But then it would try to jump the, uh, to someone more powerful and in control that it could, you know, uh, do more damage when Brainiac comes and we find out that she had it in the idol the whole time and it jumps to Rao. And I was like, wow. Like now, like I was trying to figure out who Rao was like, you know, like if he was a bigger piece and all this and they were hiding it because of his helmet, I think that becomes moot now. And because of the helmet, he could hide as Brainiac's agent and it changes everything that I thought they were doing with that character. Right. Which I thought was some great, uh, subversion with this because they do a whole thing where he's out of the the gimmick he has the uh the living tribunal head off but we never see his face Mm -hmm. um and i think that was done very well as todd mentioned as though they're leading us to believe that it's someone that we should know or recognize or something like that but again that's not what it's going to be and i think that's awesome Mm -hmm. uh again the show's not knocking my socks off but i really like it a lot um, I, this once again, I was like, oh, I'm not sure on this. And then it was with Lita, Lyda, uh, uh, Zod and the Vex, uh, daughter was like, she decides to represent, uh, Lita, Lyda, uh, Zod as her lawyer trying to bring Zeg, uh, Zeg into the fold a little more by like, oh, if I help his love, maybe we can get him to, to do what we want. And I was like, all right, like the, the dealings and the double dealings and all that. I'm like, okay, but the, the, the pack of the punch at the end of the episode with the, with the voice of Ra, I was like, okay, you have me again for next episode. Mm-hmm. Wow me again once at least and I'll be back again. Yep. So Krypton's been enjoyable, um, even mm-hmm. though it's not Superman anymore. Like, you had to get the Superman stuff in there in those first episode or two. Mm-hmm. But in the la- like this episode and the previous episode, we didn't get anything with the cape. You know, Adam Strange oh. brought the cape back. We see the cape starting to disintegrate as, you know, their thing of their time running out. Mm-hmm. We don't even see the cape in this episode or the previous episode. Right. Though it is in the background in scenes. That's the only thing you really get to see. They don't mention it, though. Right. It's not like a thing that's part of, like, hey, we got to do this because this. Right. And uh, did you see that Sci-Fi was, uh, or the Siffy, as we say around here, was was giving out press packs with the cape? No. Because Dan Jurgen says that he really wanted one, and they ended up sending him one. And I'm like, oh, I'd love a Superman cape from Krypton. You get the cape, you get the trunks, you're just a leotard away from being the real Superman of the local neighborhood, Todd. Oh my goodness, can you imagine me in the skin-tight blues with the trunks on and the cape? Oh, I'd I'd look fantastic. Todd, don't make me imagine it. (laughs) Imagine it, Joe. Imagine it now. (laughs) No! I don't want to yell over the microphone and pin the needle into the red, as it were. That's okay. You sound like you're falling off a cliff anyway, so it's it's even a better effect. There you go. Right, I'm running away. From you. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that you would catch me since you're Superman, but I just die. That's right. With this with this physique, I should be busting change when chains when I flex. Oh my goodness. So last but not least, uh Flash returns for the home stretch of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh we have determined who the last two bus metas are. Uh, we are going to, so there's three stories. You got your A story, you got your B story, you got your C story in this episode. A story, uh, Ralph 
joking. He approaches these plans from a different angle than Barry does, and that causes grief. Barry's upset at Ralph. Story two, Danny Trejo. His real name in the show doesn't matter. He's Danny Trejo. <laughs> Machete, if you will. Uh, he comes to Cisco because he's starting to lose his powers because he's old, but we don't reveal that. And there's a comedy of errors involving some pills. Again, listen to After Dark this week for more on that. <laughs> and uh, our, th- our third story is, uh, who is DeVoe now? Fiddler. DeVoe is the fiddler. And we get what is going on with the relationship between him, her, and his wife. Right. Uh, and now. You know, obviously they need to find the other two bus metas because every time that he does the transfer, it's putting more and more stress in the bodies of what he's getting, but he needs to do this so he can get all of those powers. And here we are. So you got your three stories going on. Uh, there was a, there was a specific scene or two that had me very distracted in this episode. I'm sure might have been distracting to you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like this episode. I'm, I'm glad the Flash is back because I love me some Flash. <laughs> I enjoy it. I like the way the elongated man and Flash uh, relationship mirrors our own, that you think everything should be done your way and I'm too jokey, and you're always trying to shut me down. So that's a great thing. Now, I will say this. Ralph was, like, particularly extra goofy. Uh, Particularly annoying this episode. But, okay, in the opening scene, though, he did Mm -hmm. have a couple good puns, even... Mm -hmm. They were <laughs> ham-fisted, crowbarred, shameless puns and jokes that I'm sure would have made you blush. I love that he wanted to become an improv troupe and move to Washington, D.C., and they could be the D.C. comics. It's like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And then did so. he say they were watching when they were doing the training? Mm-hmm. He references back-to-back both Dr. Octopus and Master Splinter. Mm-hmm. So he's getting those deep cuts of comic book references in the, in the thing. Right, I think this is the second time this season, at least the fifth time overall in the show's history, that they've mentioned Spider-Man or related something to Spider-Man. He's going to show up. Um, oh, boy. But, but no, I, I, I like that story, and I have a... Th- I was I just, saying, I, I just go ahead, go ahead. I, I just thought no, of ahead. something funny that they could do at the show. Go ahead, I'll let you go. So there's been multiple people who've portrayed Spider-Man, and I'm sure I could do digging on IMDb, as I'm sure a lot of the folks who have portrayed Spider-Man in many different realms of our world film mm-hmm. or TV or otherwise. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that they're working all the time, but maybe they need a job, and you throw, like, Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire or David Hammond or whoever it is on an episode of The Flash as mm-hmm. themselves, and you have Ralph mark out for them because mm-hmm. they're the star of his favorite comic book movie. And you never come right out and say, you were in Spider-Man. Right, but right. I think that would be a fun gag. That would be great. WB, we made Wigs the hottest thing in the world on Legends of Tomorrow. Make this happen. There's still a couple episodes left. I assume they're not all filmed yet, that you film them as I watch them. That they're live (laughs) on tape, not on, like, Saturday Night Live. 
Joe, you know there's not little actors in your TV. <laughs> there's, there's, they're not? No, that's right. They're inside my computer monitor. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. But um, I'm starting to think that, you know how they keep saying uh, that uh, the thinker wants all the bus metas? Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think Elongated Man isn't a bus meta, even though he was on the bus. Interesting. Because in the comics, he got his powers from drinking the gin gold, and they've shown him drinking it a couple of times. And there was a thing, and I know we're going to get to the third story, which is my favorite story of this this episode, is that he's like, oh, we have to get the the, the two bus metas because they have the three. And he's doing the thing because it turns out to be Groundhog Day. But it made me think that maybe... Ralph isn't a bus meta in that way is that he's not part of the thinker's plan in any way just because he had, he got his powers from something else. If that makes any sense. I do. I like that theory. Right. But the thing that I really did enjoy was the whole thing with the fiddler and uh, the thinker's wife where she's like, she keeps setting up. He's like, Oh, I, this, this, this thing is, is ravaging my body. We need to work on the chair. And she's like, Oh, there's a file in here and it's already started. He's like, Well, the fiddler's like, I started it. And then you find out it's Groundhog Day and, and she, she's wiped the file like 27 times or whatever. And cause she keeps figuring it out. And I was like, and you find out that she keeps drugging her over and over again. I'm like, that's a dark scene. And yes. to me, it, and when done well, the whole, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, when you just do something over and over again and it never works. Um, just the sheer, like, uh, like when, with Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill, you know what I mean? It's like she keeps trying to bust out of this loop and it keeps failing and it's so tragic. And to me, I was like, that's just a great scene. And they did it really well, where if they hadn't done it well, it would have just been totally stupid. And you feel sorry for the wife. Well, uh, so, right, uh, Marlies. So you, you feel sorry for her, but it's one of those things where she's starting to put the pieces together that, mm-hmm. you know, DeVoe is kind of off the rails of what their original plan was. Mm-hmm. And then she starts to realize that using the powers of the Weeper and everything else like that. And as she's figuring it out, you're like, she's going to leave. She's going to leave the thinker. She's going to join up with the baby faces. She's going to be the one that helps them bring down DeVoe. Mm-hmm. Until she finds that there's already a file with the name that she's naming her file to remind herself of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And once she figures that out, I was just like, no. Just like you said, no, she's trapped. Mm-hmm. And I was the only thing I thought that they were going to do was like when she finds the file and she sees herself talking, is that they were going to show like a hundred of those files. Mm-hmm. But he keeps erasing them, so that makes sense. I was just like, but I do like when she's like, how many times has this happened? And the, and the fiddler thinker is like, far too many times. You're smart. And I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for her. Right, so, so. the sea story with uh, Cisco and Machete was essentially set up so that, it, does it look like they're going to write Cisco off for next season? I was wondering about that because it seems like like every time, like that way they keep ralph or something because it seems like you get some every season we get somebody where it's dr alchemy or the female that was in love with uh the 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 wacky uh writer uh wells or whatever so we get these characters and when they bring them in it seems like they have to make room for somebody else so not having ralph i have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna keep ralph around Mm -hmm. but because of that we have to lose a member if that 
and he'll still be around a la like you know uh some characters who pop up like the guy who plays the reverse flash but i don't think cisco's gonna be around as much next season right now just peeking at his uh imdb page he's got nothing planned you know nothing no mm. projects in the works other than the flash unless they bring gypsy over and she's becomes a part of the team and then you could have you could get Vixen, Gypsy, uh, Reverb, and mm. Steel together, and have Justice League Detroit. Oh, there you go. Now, uh, so the villain in this episode, Null. Mm-hmm. So she's using her powers. She's stealing a whole bunch of stuff, artifacts, you know, sparkly things, right? Right. So, she's Catwoman. Right. She's fake Catwoman. Real. She's better Catwoman, is what she is. You're lucky somebody doesn't listen to the show. I know, thank God. Break your legs. <laughs> and anyway, so the, one of the heists that she's doing is overnight, and these two secu- these two bumbling security guards, one who talks a lot and one who doesn't say anything at all, wearing a long trench coat as you do when you work security. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So they leave, she gets the drop on them, she steals whatever it is from them. There's a bunch of ADR dialogue in the next scene. But Todd, in the year 2018, it's jarring to see Jay and Silent Bob pop up in anything other than a movie that was made 15 years ago. And do their spiel yet in the middle of a Flash episode. So awkward. Yes, it is. And uh, and wasn't Jay already on an episode of The Flash, like the previous episode that Kevin Smith directed, where he was like some guy in a sports car that gets wrecked by like tar pit or something? I think so, but that's probably why he's down and out. He didn't have the insurance to pay for the car, and he's got to take a security job. Oh, so this is like the beast. This is like the F story that's running behind the scenes in what? The Flash. Wait until we get the DC comic about the two of these characters. How they come together and meet for the security job. I can only hope it's written by Kevin Smith. Because then that means it'll never come out. Oh, you beat me to it. (laughs) I hope it it gets an extra issue and uh, has an even better ending. Oh, there you go. We bring it all right back around. That's what we do here. Uh, but yes, outside of the jarring scene of Jay and Silent Bob in this episode, uh, it was a good episode of The Flash. I like The Flash. I'm glad it's back. Yay. Mm-hmm. We're in the home stretch now. Only 48 more episodes to go. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I guess anything else? Nope, that's it. No more TV talk till uh, Outcast comes back. No, well, nothing I'm new kidding. over the summer. I don't know. We'll right. figure out something for the summer, but the summer's like way over there. Maybe we'll just take, maybe we'll just have, make it a little extra vacation for us. Mm. So we can plan C2E2. Oh, there you go. Right. We need to plan that even further in advance. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to Longbox Heroes episode 394. Creeping ever closer to that elusive number 400. Mm-hmm. For Todd, this is Joe. We'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop.